Welcome to the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast, where we explore what it means to grow daily and find our best in every aspect of life. What is going on, everybody? Have another incredible episode of the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast here for you today. My name is John Shirky, joined by my friend, my co-host, as always, Jamie Wagner. Jamie, good to see you. You as well, my friend. Um, how are we doing today? I'm doing well. I, you know, I continue to be blessed by the people in our lives, you know, our relationship, the people we get to talk to. Thank you for joining us on this journey. You know, we say it a lot, but thank you. We couldn't do this without our listeners and our supporters. And whether that's our Facebook group, Eyes Up Mindset family, or our social media, or you out there listening to this right now, we appreciate you and and love to hear from you. So continue checking in with us and, and let us know what it means to you to live eyes up or with an eyes up mindset. Appreciate that. So like I said, another great episode, Jamie, uh, a little bit different, you know, gets a little bit um, off of our typical sports journey that we often focus on. But again, we're about life and how do these skills that we learn through sports or non-sports, right, help us as we continue to grow as, as human beings. Well, this idea of skill transfer is so crucial to life. You learn things in one area that you move and take to another area. And the, the conversation with JD McCabe today is one of those things where we can learn from, and it may be off the path a little bit, but it is absolutely inspirational and the toughness and the courage and the willingness even though he was kind of beat down by it, but the willingness to stay in the fight and ultimately to finish the battle uh, left me kind of in awe. And uh, I'm, I'm so grateful he was a part of our conversation. Yeah. If you don't know his story, he's going to explain most of, you know, he's going to give a great overview of it, but he's got a book. It's called the third gift. My dance with the devil and her mother, I think is the title. Yeah. Um, we'll have that in the show notes, but it's an incredible story. He's a, a great storyteller. He's captivating. Um, and he's going to grow you. He challenged us in a lot of ways. So, uh, appreciated having him and, uh, you got anything else or should we get to it? You're good. JD McCabe. JD, welcome to the podcast. Uh, awesome to have you. You know, we got connected through a mutual friend, Nate Bailey, and just yes. before we record, you were saying you just spent some time with him. Tell us, tell us a little bit about that. And then feel free to introduce yourself, however. Sure. Well, thank you guys for the opportunity. I feel blessed to be able to be on, be on your platform. And yeah, I was, last week I was in Nashville with Nate and several other folks at his uh, Unleash the Leader Within experience. And uh, I've been to a lot of leadership conferences in the last 30 years in my professional career. It was if not the best, one of the best. So just the, the content, the inspiration, the vulnerability shown by all the leaders and all the presenters that were there. And uh, I left there feeling extremely energized. So again, I wanted to thank Nate for helping to connect me to you guys. Yeah. Nate has been uh, huge in our growth too. He he's given us, you know, he's one of those salt of the earth type people where are just willing to give and give yes. and give, giving us time, giving us energy, giving us, you know, promotion, like just awesome. So uh, to be connected through him as a gift. And like you say, uh, have the opportunity to go and spend some time with him in a, in a conference. I can't imagine uh, what good stuff came from that. So you have a, a story that is almost 
stranger than fiction. Um, can you tell us a little bit, I mean, go into as much detail as you want, but, um, you, you were in an abusive relationship. And most of the time when we hear that, we think, you know, man abusing female and we would get taken aback by a man being in that context. What did that look like for you? And where did it bring you to, um, in, in your experience? Yeah, that's, that's an excellent question. I will try to encapsulate, uh, it as briefly as I possibly can, but, uh, those that have, those that have read the book and I'm grateful to all those that have purchased the book and read the book, uh, have said to me that it reads like fiction that yeah. so you described it perfectly, Jamie, that it's, a, it's almost a fictional type story, but briefly, very happily married and some people on the outside that I don't know that respond on the various social media platforms have suggested that perhaps you weren't as happy as you claim to be. But I will stand by the fact that we were in a happy and stable marriage for 17 years and then truly holy hell broke loose. And so it started with um, subtly with accusations of infidelity and drug addiction. And then that would spiral three, four years. And it, in 2014, things really, really got bad and her mother got involved. Um, and ultimately the mistake that I made as I started to go through this abuse, uh, of, you know, from somebody who has borderline personality disorder, somebody who clearly now is, is a narcissistic, narcissistic individual is I kept it all to myself. Um, I come from a very large family. I have a large professional network. I shared it with nobody, but not only was it emotional abuse, but I would ultimately discover that she was and it took me a year and a half, two years after some health issues that she was poisoning me with arsenic. So it was, it was emotional abuse. It was arsenic poisoning. It was nine days in a psychiatric facility due to an involuntary commitment. I would also discover as we moved forward in our legal process that she set me up for that as well. She was writing letters behind my back to my psychiatrist at the time, to the family practitioner at the time. And, uh, it was one, one chunk of adversity after another. Um, so it was disappointment, betrayal. Um, and as it turns out, everything that she had accused me of doing, she was actually doing. So from the infidelity to the drug addiction to the stealing money from our marital account, it was a classic case of projection. Um, the title of the book is The Third Gift. The subtitle is My Dance with the Devil and Her Mother. Uh, and I, I'm here to tell you the devil, the devil is real. And I struggled with that and I had to come to terms with the fact that I was married to somebody just that evil that was calculating, manipulative, tried to kill me, had me locked up. And then the third gift was when she, an accusation she made through our attorneys where she accused me of giving her an incurable STD. And I call that the third gift because it finally opened my eyes to the fact that okay, I wasn't doing this. I, I certainly knew I wasn't cheating on her. I certainly knew I wasn't a drug addict. Um, but it opened my eyes to look at five years of medical claims and five years of pharmacy claims. And I discovered all of the deception she had hidden from me. And the first discovery I made was around uh, her abuse of prescription drugs. So she was abusing Adderall and Adderall XR and Ritalin LA, another form of a long acting amphetamine. And for two years, she used our family practitioner to fill them in our kids' names. So to the tune of 600 days worth. So all of the, a lot of the medical issues that she was having from cardiac to all sorts of unexplained issues could have been explained by the medication she was taking, but yet she never told anybody 
what she was taking. So I had a journey through broken mental health care system, a broken medical care system, and a broken legal system. And my entire journey is, is outlined in, in the book. It's incredible. I, you talked about, and I've listened to a couple episodes with you prior to this, just in some preparation, you talked about how ultimately creating a journal of sort, some sort and write, starting to write stuff down opened some of it up to you. It, it started to re- reveal more and more the more you had put on the page. And I find that in my personal life, that's a really valuable tool to get inside of some of my thinking. When did that process start for you? And is that something you continue to do to this day? Maybe not in terms of noting the chaos, but just for yourself. Yeah, I think I, th- I think journaling um, is something I didn't do prior to this, but I started doing the journaling or the, the diary uh, would have been four months after I got out of the psychiatric facility. So I was spent nine days, nine days between two facilities. A couple of my brothers ultimately got involved. Um, I eventually let people into my life to let them know what was going on. Um, they had to force their way in because I'm like, no, nah, I'm fine. There's no need for you to make a trip to town. Everything's good. And they said, no, we're coming. And I'm glad that they did. I'm thankful that they did. But <clears throat> I stayed in the marriage, whether it was right or whether it was wrong. I stayed in the marriage for another seven months after after I got out of the psychiatric hospital because uh, I was still had the I was still in love with her, as crazy as it may sound. And I was still had the belief that I was the reason for the demise of the marriage, that there was you know, no trust. There was there was she beat me with a couple of lies that I had early on in a marriage. And I talk about it in the book. I'm very transparent. One of them was around drinking too much on a business trip 14 years ago. And another one was hiding cigarettes from her and her and the kids at the time. Uh, so she started pulling on those levers that you were, you've always been a liar. I can never trust you. And so you start when someone's gaslighting you, and I don't know if you guys are familiar with the concept, yeah. but you begin to take that on. And when you share with none of this with anybody who can offer an outside perspective, then you truly believe that, okay, yeah, you're the reason for this. So you got your, your now ex-wife coming at you. You got your uh, soon to be ex-mother-in-law coming at you, um, letting you know how terrible you are. So you guys talk a lot <clears throat> on your podcast about identity, right? Mm-hmm. So I lost my identity and I I allowed it to happen, but I lost my identity as to who I was as a man and who who I was as a father. I'm not a perfect human being, but I'm a good man. And I'm, I was a good father and I was a very good husband, but I lost all of that. Um, And that's what pushed me to the brink and to the point of having a, you know, a a mental breakdown. Um, But to answer your question more directly, again, I started documenting this four or five months after I got out of the facility, my brother, under his advice, he's like, look, you've been misdiagnosed with bipolar. You've had the cops called on you twice. Uh, you need to start documenting this stuff to protect you. And to your point, though, Jamie, it was very, from an emotional perspective, it was very cathartic to put it down on paper, to put the anger down on paper and, and, and to let it go. But at the same time, in that journal, I also captured things that I was grateful for that day. So gratitude, and I people say this all the time, but gratitude truly saved my life. I mean, I was pushed to the brink as I went through the journey, uh, not only just the psychiatric stay, but then the four year journey after that, as we went through the legal system and, and I dealt with being alienated from my daughter for two years, I lost her and didn't have her in my life. Um, but again, I always tried to center my day around gratitude and finding something that, 
that I could be grateful for. That was the second question I had is that this, and you kind of get like one of the words that we used at Bethel when we, we, John and I played football together at Bethel was this idea that tethered to something we're tethered together, tied to something. When you, when you're in a marriage, when you're in, when you have a family, when you have these things, you talked about losing your identity, you're, you're tethered to that so deeply you're connected to it. What is something you were able to come back to? You know, like there's, there's an unmooring and untiedness when you lose that thing. What you talk a little bit about gratitude, were there other pieces that were you able to connect yourself with? Yeah, I think it was, uh, I think it was my extended family. So through, throughout the marriage, we had lived out of town and throughout the marriage, I had somewhat become disconnected from my extended family. I come from a large family, eight, you know, five brothers, three sisters living out of town. You become somewhat disconnected from them. Uh, so I was able to reestablish some very strong relationships with my brothers and my sisters and reconnect with friends and reestablish some old friendships. So as this thing unfolded, it started to play out like a, I would have people call me just to get updates, uh, just to get updates as to what was going on because they couldn't believe the twists and the turns. They couldn't believe the, the arsenic poisoning and the, the infidelity and all the discoveries that I made as a result of the revelation she made. And so you know, when she made that accusation to me through attorneys, I, I, I really, I was floored, of course, but I was also, it was weird emotional feelings. So I was, felt betrayed, angry, and grateful all at the same time. It was just a flood of emotions. I was grateful because it was like, okay, the marriage is over. Okay. I knew it's over. It was God's smack across the face to say the marriage is over. Um, but you were not the reason for the demise of the marriage. And, and people can't, I don't know if people can grasp it enough, but had she not played that card, I don't know where I'd be today. Yeah. Emotionally, I don't know where I'd be with the relationship with my kids um, because I uncovered so much. It took me hours and hours and hours to go through five years of medical claims and pharmacy claims. And fortunately, I've been in the pharmaceutical industry for 30 years. And so I, I know what I'm, I know what I'm looking at. And uh, it just, you know, one surprise after another. Um, but so the other mooring was, again, just connecting to family and connecting to friends. And the one thing I like to say is that when people are dealing with adverse situations, and I'll, it's from my perspective, of course, I wasn't looking for answers. I wasn't looking for people to solve my problems or to provide me with insight. I was just look, looking for someone to listen and, and to let me vent. Um, and there were many, many good people that stepped up, not only for me, but also for my kids who at certain times, I'm certain they didn't know who to believe. You know, dad was in a psychiatric facility. Mom's filling her ears with the fact that I'm a drug addict and this and that. And they're 15 and 19 at the time. And who do you believe? Um, so, yeah, I'm grateful for, for all, that, all that has happened, believe it or not. So the, the other thing I grounded myself in, I think this is important, too, is I lived out of my car in a hotel for three and a half months because of the uncertainty. I wasn't sure where we we're going to go. So I met a lot of folks. And as you sit at a hotel or you sit outside or wherever you get to know people, you start to hear their stories. And when I'm hearing other people's stories, it provided me with a sense of relativity to say, mm, I don't have it so bad. My <laughs> life is not that bad. And, uh, you know, I, I listened to your previous episode with John Creasel that you guys had aired. And I think about John's situation. I go, good Lord, good Lord. Um, I yeah. died so bad. And to see his strength and his courage and his ability to move forward was, you know, absolutely inspirational. 
Yeah. Perspective is an incredibly powerful thing. And that's, you know, we've gotten some feedback on that episode from, from listeners too. It's like, man, my, what I've got going on right now, isn't that bad. Um, so that's an incredible story. If you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. But JD, I want to go back to the identity piece. You've, you've kind of talked about, you know, not really knowing that it was lost and then this awareness that it was lost and you had like you all of a sudden you're getting all of this information about all this stuff that's going on and you have this awareness. What have you done? And I think you've probably touched on it a little bit, but what have you done now since then to reestablish your identity and, and, or maybe find your new identity and who you are moving forward out of, you know, all of that stuff that happened and all of those things that you learned. Well, one of the strengths that she, that she pulled on. So I, I can, and this is through, you know, a couple of years of therapy. I'm no, I'm no longer in therapy, um, but went through extensive therapy. And, and one of the things that I got some clarity on is I, I'm the middle child of nine, five of nine. The middle child is often the one who has a need to be needed mm-hmm. and who is a pleaser. Mm-hmm. And so I am that way in my personal relationships, not so much in my professional relationships, but um, I'm not ever going to give that up. I'm always going to be a selfless individual and try to put other people first, whether it's my kids or whether it's family or whether it's friends or whether it's complete strangers. And so I'm reestablishing myself with that that identity and what I'm hoping to do with the book, I self-funded it, but what I'm hoping to do once I can break even is to be able to give back to others. So I want to support a couple of organizations, uh, former military that are dealing with post-traumatic stress and substance abuse issues. So I want to use it as a venue, not only to encourage, provide a little bit of hope, maybe some inspiration for anybody that's going through a difficult time, uh, but also be able to financially support some organizations that are working to to lift people up. So I'm I'm, gonna, I'm regrounded in in that piece of my identity, um, and I'm certainly regrounded in the fact that you know I, I, I'm a very good father. So I led by example through this. I'm very proud of my two kids. Now they're flourishing. I, so I got a question about that because I think there's probably a lot of people out there that either are in relationships or are now out of relationships where kids, you know, certainly adds another element to it. How do you, how do you go about carrying yourself or, you know, whether it's now or, or in the past in terms of allowing them to understand, you know, and, and experience what happened while still um, maintaining your own personal integrity and in, in terms of, you know, how how you want to behave as a father and as a man in terms of how you treat people moving forward. Is that, does that make sense? I don't know if that, when it, when you come out of a difficult relationship and there's clearly, you know, a lot of stuff that happened that you have a lot of reasons and a lot of excuses to be angry and be vindictive and be, you know, f- uh, attacking your ex-wife in, in a lot of ways. How do you manage, you know, kind of how you want to be and respond to that with your kids? Yeah, I mean, it's as difficult as as cold as it may be at times, right? The high road is the right place to be. Um, and I, I constantly did that throughout. Even when I started to uncover the truth of what had happened in the marriage, I had to keep that to myself. You know, I could have I could have I, I had to share some of it as things unfolded because they started to see some things with mom. Right. Uh, they had questions. And at that point, they were 17 and 21. And young adults, but, um, I too 
put on them the fact that as bad as it may be, they need to really do their best to continue to count their blessings uh, and to look at what they have versus what they, what they've lost or what, what, what had been taken away from them. Um, and so they're, they are both centered in faith as well. And I think that was an example that they took from me that I continued to stay strong with my faith. Um, and I did not badmouth their mother. You know, I, I, I gave them the facts as they played out. Um, and, uh, you know, I left it at that. You, you had talked about this identity of being selfless and being a people pleaser. And yet you also advocate for people to advocate for themselves and to be a little bit selfish in this reality that, Hey, I need to seek help right now. And I, and I can't just give of myself always. I can't be always being pulled out from everyone else. You, what does it mean to advocate for yourself? What does it mean? What are some actionable steps we can take to look inside and say, okay, this isn't right. And I need someone to intervene here. I need someone to step in because I mean, I don't know that you would admit this, but I've been in situations where I've just let something last for entirely too long. You know, this, the abuse, the, the relationship, the, whatever it might be, this is going on for too long. I need someone to step in and advocate for me, but I couldn't do it for myself. What does that look like? Yeah. As things began to unfold, I certainly needed therapy to, uh, you know, to kind of keep me grounded and to help to provide me some explanation as to what I was dealing with. I, I was not familiar with borderline personality disorder. I was not familiar with the true concept of narcissism. So I needed someone to guide me um, through that journey, but also to, to provide me with advice on how to restore a relationship with my daughter um, without, without crossing boundaries and without forcing things to be able to be comfortable with the fact that you might just have to let this play out. And it, it may not be until she goes off to college that you will have a relationship with her again. Fortunately, it didn't work out that way. It, it, it happens. We, we reconciled sooner than that. But um, and I also needed religious counsel to really come to terms of the fact that I was married to somebody that evil. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately, I got comfortable with it, recognizing that she's not mentally right, clearly has some significant mental health issues that were only made worse by her abuse slash use of, you know, prescription medications. Yeah. I finding those shortcomings in ourselves, right. Finding those areas where we can't always see it. We blind spots, we might call them helps us to grow and to get better. Like how did understanding some of those things you talked about, you know, you didn't have an understanding of some of the things you were being accused of, or didn't have an understanding of some of the things that you were struggling with coming to terms with some of those things, what did that reveal for you? You know, you talked about, okay, I need some therapy, but what else did that, that open the door to for you? Um, for me, it forced me to really sit down and to be introspective and to take, to really take uh, inventory of what my strengths were and what my shortcomings were. Right. So as a pleaser um, and as, as a pleaser, as I, as I look back on my life, Oftentimes you tell people what you think they want to hear instead of what they need to hear. So I've had to grow in that area. Now there was a disconnect for me professionally where professionally I didn't, you know, I was very I was diplomatic, you know, I've led people for 30 years in various capacities, but I always was very direct with them and diplomatic, but in my personal life, eh, if I thought it might hurt somebody, I would, I would not, um, 
I would tell them what they wanted to hear, what not what they necessarily should hear. So I had to look at my personal integrity and, and to change the way that, um, you know, I handle things in some of my personal relationships. Something else that you, again, have talked about on other podcasts and, and, and your media out there is kind of this, the idea of embracing adversity early on and, and right away. Um, because we, we innately, we have this desire for comfort, right. Yeah. And to find easy solutions, but, you know, obviously a lot of adversity in your story. So tell us a little bit of kind of how you see adversity now and maybe how you deal with it or have even talked to your kids or other people that you're working with about dealing with adversity up front. Yeah. And I mean, those are, those are the conversations that the, for the, to answer that first, John, the conversations with my kids is that, you know, they've been through a very difficult time, but that adversity, we, we have no, no idea what other challenges the good Lord might put in front of us or the, or the choice of free will that everybody has as to how it may impact your life. Right. But to embrace it, um, to embrace it and to, to, to carry it, but to, but to learn from it and, and, and to grow from it. Um, you're not going to be able to run from it. You can't hide from it. For me, early on, the pivot that I had to make was to stop, quickly stop asking why. You know, why, why is this happening? Why would she do this to me? This is not fair. To, it took me less than two weeks to where I got to the point of just simply saying, all right, you know, let, let your will be done. You know, I'm, I'm trusting that you're going to walk with me and you're going to put other people in, in my life to walk with me. Uh, and I know that you'll reveal the answers in your time. Um, and he, cer- he certainly did. Uh, not all of them, but, but enough for me to, to have peace of mind and what I like to call emotional justice. But um, you got to quickly make that you got to quickly make that pivot. We, we have no explanations for why things happen. And if I didn't have the mantra of everything happens for a reason, and a lot of the cliches have come true. And that's another one. You know, everything happens for a reason. Well, yep. It certainly does, and if you if you continually sit around trying to figure out what that reason is, you're going to just prevent yourself from continuing to move forward. Um, I love that. That was a powerful takeaway I had was that we can't run from it. We can't yeah. stop it from coming at us. It will find us in some ways, and asking why doesn't change that. No, <laughs> you know, and so the sooner we get to a place where we choose to act rather than wonder, yeah. we give ourselves power to grow. And I, yeah. I like your message, if, if there's nothing else that the listener is hearing from this, like take that piece, because that kind of left me stock still when I heard it. I was like, that's absolutely right. That's as true a thing as I've heard in a long time, because sometimes it takes someone like you or John Creasel, who's had this experience that we can't possibly fathom to bring it full circle because both of you in our, in our last two episodes, right. Are, are this, have this capacity to say what's next because next is the only thing that I can control and the only thing that matters. And so um, thank you for sharing your story and for giving us this insight as to what it looks like to manage this kind of adversity with, with a mindset that is okay. Two weeks, you know, two weeks, I just went through five years of hell but I needed two weeks to get through the other side and say, stop. Woe is me. Stop. That's, that's incredible. And it's, and it's incredible courage and toughness on your behalf. Yeah. The other thing I would like to add is so, so you talk about, you got to embrace it. You got to act right. I had a, I had a job that I had to hold on to. 
I had two kids that were, you know, because mom was pretty much off the reservation. And I it yeah. made, it was very clear to me that she was not about the kids. And their grandmother, sadly, was no longer about the kids. It was about those two and, and what they what I owed them as we went through the legal system, sadly. Um, so I had to keep my s- stuff together. Um, I, I had financial responsibilities. I had responsibilities to my kids. And uh, I, I, I had to keep fighting and keep moving forward. And But for me, it was an, an emotional roller coaster, as folks will read about, is you'd have some ups one day where you'd get some momentum or something positive happening. And then boom, some more disappointment would be dropped on you. Um, and you, I came to expect it. I came to expect it. And I, I never let the highs get too high. And I did my best to, to make sure the lows didn't get too low. But as things got low, again, I regrounded or recentered myself around gratitude. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I jumped into volunteering, which again, opened my eyes to looking at, okay, I'm, my first Thanksgiving out of the house in a bowling alley by myself, that morning, um, I had volunteered at a, at a shelter and served 1,500 families food. So for me, you know, I'm not saying that to say I'm a wonderful guy, but I had to do that to keep that perspective in mind. Mm. Here's 1,500 families that don't eat consistently. They don't have clothing. Um, and so I, I found venues where I could force myself to stay grounded in, in my reality, that my reality is not that bad compared to others. So JD, I, if, if you had one piece of advice and I, and you maybe have already said it today in, in our conversation, but if somebody's out there listening and they are, they're either know that they're in a bad spot with their relationship or in, in a, a situation, or they maybe suspect, um, what would, what would the one takeaway for you out of this thing, an encouragement for them to, just to keep moving forward or to start doing, you know, if, if they're in that spot where they're either starting to understand or already know that they're in a bad spot. I, I would do a couple of things. And I think a couple of things, John, I think the first thing is don't go it alone, find somebody to confide in. Um, that was the, mis- that was the mistake that, that damn near cost me my life because you become such an inward isolated individual that you lose sight of, of the outside world and you lose sight of, of who you are. So I would say, don't go it alone, find a friend, a family member or somebody that you can confide in with, with the, the appropriate expectation that they're not going to solve their pro- your problem, but they will be there for you to lean on. Um, and then secondarily to, you know, recognize what, what your role might've been in the situation, recognize your strengths, recognize your shortcomings. Um, but if it's not repairable, then, do your very best amicably to, to move on. Um, you know, I, I was in a situation where we, we couldn't settle. I didn't want to settle. Um, yeah. In North, North Carolina, if there's proof of infidelity, there's no alimony. And so I had to make the bet at the time that, yeah, I'm willing to continue to fight this. And for the other reason, quite frankly, is my character had been attacked. And after she made the accusation that she made, um, and as we move forward into the legal system, all of this is public record. And I'm like, I don't want anything in the public record that states that I have a, uh, an STD when I know for a fact that I don't. And I, I had tested negative for it. So for me, it was about protecting, protecting my character and my integrity that I allowed to be attacked, you know, three, four years earlier. 
Um, so stand up for yourself. And, and as far as the advocacy goes, Jamie, I think you asked that question earlier is don't rely on professionals entirely. There's ways to get educated. The internet is a powerful tool. I learned a lot about the legal system. I learned a lot about the mental health system and the, and the laws and civil liberties around that, that just don't rely on the expertise of others. Don't assume that they have all of the knowledge. You should be informed as well. Mm -hmm. um, some of the legal moves that we made eventually were things that I brought to my attorney's attention yeah. uh, when they weren't even thinking of it. So become as educated, as empowered as you can be. And, and certainly when it comes to medical care, you also need to be as knowledgeable as, as possible around whatever condition you're dealing with and don't take someone's word at face value. No, I, that's powerful information, powerful advice to, to do as much as you can for yourself, but yeah. also defend your character, right? Yeah. Know who you are well enough to say, this isn't me. And this thing that is going on out there is not representing who I am. And um, yeah, it's uh, there's a lot here to, to chew on and, <laughs> and I am, I am grateful for all of it. So um, where, yeah. where can JD, where can people find the book or find you and inter interact with you? Um, yeah. So on the social, there. they can, they can find the book so they can, they can purchase the book directly through my website, thirdgift.com. The thirdgift.com domain was taken. So it's thirdgift.com. I'm on Instagram and uh, Facebook at, at the third gift. And as we talked before we started to record, I'm also on TikTok. So at, at the, at, at the third gift. So I'm on the majority of the social media platforms and, and the, and the podcasts are out there and some of the other conversations that I've had, but again, they can order the book through uh, thirdgift.com. There's a direct link. It's also available through, you know, all the major online retailers as well. So. Well, Katie, appreciate your time today. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. It was great, man. It was a pleasure to meet you guys and stay warm and uh, keep on running, Jamie. <laughs> we'll do it, man. I appreciate right. that. Thank you guys. Thanks again to JD McCabe. Go out, check out his book, The Third Gift, order it on his website, um, on Amazon, wherever, and then find him on his social media. His message, Jamie, is a little bit different, you know, than, than kind of some of our past guests and, and our foundation in sports and athletics, but you know, the stuff that he's talking about adversity, right? You can't run from it. You can't hide from it. It's going to find you. And that's true of all of life, right? So how do we figure out how to deal with that? Um, a couple other things, you know, everything happens for a reason, incredibly cliche, right? But you know, when, the, the rubber meets the road, we usually find out that those cliche statements that sometimes are cringeworthy really are pretty true, right? And, and so getting to the point where you can realize, okay, yeah, everything does happen for a reason. What can I grow from or, or learn from this? Um, and then, you know, that I asked him, what are your advice for someone who's out there listening? And he said, don't go it alone and be, do the work find out what your role in whatever the situation is, you know, you might not be in the same situation as him where you know, his, his whole life is up, upside down, but you know, we all have our own stuff. Right. And I think, you know, you and I were just talking about that and I'm sure you will talk about that now, but like we all have our own stuff. Don't go it alone, figure out what your role is and, and face the adversity head on.
Absolutely. I think the thing that struck me is that, yeah, this story is incredibly unique, but it's not that different from some of the things that all of us have gone through and experienced or know someone that has gone through something that has experienced this break from our identity and then a series of challenges that come with it. It might not be this extreme, right? But those two pieces that he ended with, don't go it alone and do the work, are who we are. That is what Eyes Up Mindset is about, is this idea that you need community around you to grow out of struggle, right? And secondly, take some responsibility. Show up, do the thing, take the step today to get better somehow. And I loved how he put that. You might need to go and do the work in the research, or you might need to become informed about something that you don't know yet so that you can advocate for yourself in a meaningful way. If we are anything, we're about be around people that will grow you, look for community, and then take the steps for yourself in whatever way that looks like. And as always, live eyes up. <laughs>